Good morning, everybody. Um, <laughs> I love this church. I, you know, don't you just love this church? I'm so thankful that we have pastors that love unapologetically, that teach truth unapologetically. So I just ask that this week, whenever the Lord puts Lowell and Georgia on your mind, that you pray for them. Because we have no idea what kind of attacks that come against them to try to discourage them and keep them down. And, you know, it'd be so easy just to walk away from some of the hurt. But um, let's just pray that God will just keep them safe in his hands, right? So that they can continue to love this city and reach out to people who are hurting and need the kind of love that God lives through them. Amen? Um, so my prayer this morning is that something that is said will resonate with you and that the Holy Spirit would um, reinvigorate you for your life. You know, um, I, I want to ask you a question just to think about um, when you were young, what did you want to be when you grew up? A lot of us had grandiose ideas of you know, being some kind of a hero or heroine or um, making scientific discoveries or, you know, being a football or another sport star, uh, being a famous celebrity, you know, whether it was acting or some kind of performing with music or something. But now I want you to, I want to ask you, how many of you are doing that thing that you dreamt of when you were a child? Probably not many of us, right? I know for myself, I was convinced at a young age I was going to be an Olympic champion and that my picture was going to be plastered on Wheaties box all across the United States for these gold medals I had won for the United States. Um, you know, I was a gymnast growing up and I um, would even practice my dismount off, you know, when I would stand up to go change the channel on the TV and... You know, uh, then from there I kind of realized that's a little far-fetched, but then I wanted to be a child psychologist. And it wasn't so much I was interested in helping children or even studying psychology. I just thought it sounded cool. <laughs> what do you want to be, Christian? Oh, a child psychologist. Right? And then the next thing I said I wanted to do was be a dancer. And for a little while I did. I danced for the Disney Corporation in Orlando, Florida. And again, reality kind of set in. As Micah can tell you, I'm not really the right height for a male dancer. And I had these guys who were five and ten years younger than me that were stronger than me and faster than me and more flexible than me. So I just kind of had to put that to rest as well. One thing I said I would never be was a teacher. <laughs> and so those of you that know, I have taught every grade from kindergarten through college. And I'm still doing it. But um, it's just kind of funny how sometimes we have a vision for ourselves, but life kind of takes a turn in a different direction. So I'm going to ask Terry to play a, a video for us real quick about that happening to some people. This is like all my stuff and toys as a kid. 
How do you guys get all this stuff? I assume I'm supposed to answer that phone. Uh, hello? Do you know who this is? No. It's me. I, I mean, it's you. 11-year-old you. What? You're who? I just thought I'd call you to see what our future looks like. It's a little different than what I thought it was going to be. But we are a famous scientist now, right? I'm a project manager for a construction company. And I didn't go into nursing. I'm actually in sales. I'm an analyst out in that agency. What? Boring. <laughs> I guess it's not as cool as like building and making things, really. Why didn't we become a scientist? Um, lots of um, small decisions. I didn't think that I could really make it happen. Oh. I, I really don't know what happened there. I feel bad for letting my younger self down. But we are still doing science experiments, aren't we? I'm waiting for my son to be a little bit older and then we'll definitely start the experiments. We have a son? Yes, we have a beautiful son named Jackson. I can't believe this. Do we even look at buildings anymore? Yeah, I mean, all the time. It's funny, I still actually go to like open houses when I see like new architecture just to walk around and admire. It's kind of one of the fun things I like doing on the weekends. Do you think we could go back to school and do the job we want? It's not too late, is it? I wish I could. I should have learned more about what I used to like. Why don't you do it then? <laughs> it would definitely take my world in a whole different direction. So what's your advice to me? Do you have any advice for younger me? Let's see. Study what you love. Don't be afraid. Don't let fear stop you. Dive in head first and just enjoy it all. Always do what you dream of doing because it will never be your happiest self if you're not happy with what you're doing in life. I truly believe like if you dedicate and put in the time and do something you love, you know, like you'll make something amazing out of yourself. That's, that's one of my, I've watched that a thousand times and every time I watch it I get choked up because it's so true. If we could go back and just tell our younger self something, what would we tell ourselves, right? Probably what she said, don't be afraid, study what you love, do what you love. Well, the thing is, is that's what God speaks over us every day. So um, sometimes we forget that even before we were born, God had plans for us. And I don't know whether it's because of circumstances or fear or, or people influencing us. We forget that before we were born, God spoke over us. He had plans for us and he sings those over us. So I want to just go to Psalms 139 and read. I know most of us are probably very familiar with this. But as I read, I want you to... Listen to it like you're listening to it for the first time, that someone is saying this over you. It says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand on me. 
Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on a far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light, come, the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So let's look at verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I remember one time when I was living overseas, um, just going through a bit of loneliness and just struggling to get acclimated to the culture and making new friends. And I remember just being in my apartment and I was watching TV and they had, it's called AFN, Armed Forces Network, and you can see American programming there. It's for the military station. And one of the programs they were showing was Dr. Phil. And Dr. Phil said on one of his little clips, he said, I want you to be excited about your life. You have to do it with the accent, right? He said, I want you to be excited about your life. And I was thinking, I want to be excited about my life. And if I want to be excited about my life, how much more so does my Heavenly Father get excited about my life? Because before I was born, He was singing those plans over me. He was speaking those plans over me. He's speaking those plans over you. And I like to sometimes imagine what that might have sounded like before I was born, and God in heaven, and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and angels, and God said, oh, Becky, I've got special plans for her. She's going to have passion for people who are struggling, and I'm going to put her in a place where she can minister to people that others won't be able to. Becky's my favorite. And he might say, oh, let me tell you about my boy, Ron. I'm going to put in him a passion for justice so that he's going to help people find justice. I've got great plans for him to be a mighty influencer. Ron's my favorite. And then he says, oh, Kelly, let me tell you about Kelly. I'm going to put such passion in her heart that when she works with those patients, that they're going to feel me when she lifts to touch them, when she reaches out to touch them. It'll be my hands. Kelly's my favorite. 
Oh, let me tell you about Carol. I'm going to put a love for animals in her so that when people see her loving animals, they'll see how we should love each other. Carol's my favorite. Can you hear him? Can you hear that conversation he's having about you before you were born? I can't imagine him loving me that much and allowing me to experience some of the things I've had the opportunity to experience. You know, sometimes we have circumstances that make us wonder, am I on the right path? Am I going the right way? Did I, I'm, this was a bad decision. You know, or, or maybe sometimes bad things happen and we think, oh, well, I'm just out of God's will. Or God, come on, hello, remember me? You ever thought that? I know I have many times. And I want us to, to think about how that looks to us versus how it looks to God. I've heard it said that one's perception is one's reality. True, right? Whatever I think about myself or how I think about a situation, it must be true. Because that's how I see it. That's how I live it. But in reality, that's not the truth a lot of times. Because God sees a different picture. You see a different picture of somebody else's circumstance. Am I right? I mean, I, I have friends and, and I know they may have struggled with self-esteem issues. And I'm thinking, oh, I wish I had an ounce of your talent or of your boldness. But they can't see it because of their perception of themselves. So I'm going to ask Terry to play another short video for us. That's another one of my favorite videos. So that little boy's perception was, that board is hard, I can't break it. You heard him say, I can't do it. I can't do it. And what did his teacher say? You can do it. You can, I know it's hard, but you can do it. And then everybody in that, is it called a dojo? Is that what that, okay, sure. Everybody there was saying his name, Stephen, Stephen. They were cheering for him because they knew he could do it. All the parents were cheering for him. The teacher was kind of stern with him, right? Stand up straight. Get in your form. You can do it. Hit it hard with your heel. That's our perception of others, right? Whenever they're facing a difficult time, we know they can do it. But our perception of ourselves sometimes is so warped. Does God allow those things to happen? 
I don't know all those answers. Why bad things happen to good people, I don't know. But I can promise you this. If we keep a healthy perspective and keep our eyes on him, he will use that situation to glorify himself. So the story that I, one of my favorites in the Bible is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love that story. You know, and and if you're not familiar with it, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it a little bit rather than read the whole thing. But so there were these three Hebrews. They were working for, you know, the king and his kingdom. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. And this one of the men that worked with Nebuchadnezzar, you know, they had decided we're going to make this big god, this big idol out of gold. And everybody's going to bow down and worship it when they hear the music play. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego worshiped Yahweh, the God of Israel. And so they weren't going to bow down. And so the music began to play. And just imagine thousands and thousands of people just hitting the deck. And you see three dumb clucks back in the back. And so this one of the the Nebuchadnezzar's right-hand men came up and said, Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, and you have to do the accent, right? (laughs) King Nebuchadnezzar, there's three men in the back, and they're not bowing down. What a disgrace to you and your God. Can't you just hear him saying that little snippety thing? And so King Nebuchadnezzar, he was overcome with rage, but what he said was, let me give them another opportunity. They may not have heard. Come on up, guys. Come on up. We'll do it again. And so they said... You know, I'll read this verse because it's kind of good. It was verse 17 in Daniel 3. He said, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Here's the part that always gets me. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. You know, and let me back up a little bit. A lot of times in the Bible, we read stories of men and women who we call heroes of our faith. And it's almost like they take on a robotic tone. Well, God said, I'm going to do it, so I'm just going to do it. And there's no emotion. But the thing that the Holy Spirit revealed to me is they're just like us. They were probably trembling in their sandals. And if it had been me, I would have had to ask for a change of clothes, if you know what I'm saying. Because I'm thinking, okay, this is it. You know, this is, bye, y'all, love you. You know, this is going to be it. But just the way that they stood in their faith is what really jumps out to us thousands of years later, right? And here's the thing, um, and I shared this with Lowell and, and Georgia once, that Yeah, that's amazing. But later on in the story, when they're thrown into the fire because they won't bow down, King Nebuchadnezzar sees Jesus in the fire with them, calls them out. They come out. They're not singed. They don't smell like smoke. They're not tied up anymore. The thing that gets me the most in this story is God was with them the whole time. Even when they didn't know if they were going to be delivered or not. He was with them. 
Because had they known he was going to deliver them, he would have said, but even if he didn't, he would have never said that. Right? But they were willing to do it anyway. And God delivered them. Now, did God want that to happen? I don't know. But I do know this. We're still talking about it. And we glorify God because of it. Does that make sense? So, regardless of the situation that we find ourselves in, I want to remind all of us that sometimes in the silence, he's still holding us. Even if we can't hear him, if we can't see him, regardless of the situation, he's with us. And all we have to do is say, God, I trust you. In this situation, I know that you have a plan, right? Um, so, I just I just want to remind to remind you that regardless of where you find yourself today, just know one thing: God is for you. Regardless of your situation, God's for you. Nobody knows where you are but you. Oh. And God. You know, we all keep things from people. We only reveal to people what we want them to see. But God sees all of it. And he wants us to know he's for us. So a few Sundays ago, Lowell taught on um, the true gospel about how God pursues us. Do you remember that? Where he would face the chairs and we turn our back on God, but God comes back around and you know, keeps doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And the one thing that the Holy Spirit showed me in, in that sermon was God's always pursuing us. Always. And one thing that's, that stood out to me was when I am pursuing God, he's still pursuing me. He doesn't just sit there and let me run to him. He runs to me just like I'm running to him. And I always think of those old, you know, TV shows where they play the theme of Romeo and Juliet and they're running through the daisies and, you know, it's slow motion and then they embrace. That's how God is with us. When we are pursuing him, he is pursuing us. And when those two collide, it is an amazing amalgamation that... Is only, can only be defined as supernatural. And I know sometimes we think that when we talk about spiritual experiences or the Holy Spirit or whatever, it, it kind of has a little bit of a, a little kooky, little spooky kind of thing. But really, in reality, that should be as normal to us as breathing. And so many times when, you know, the Lord puts someone on your heart and you think, oh, I was just thinking of that person, so I prayed for them, or I sent them a text or whatever, don't underestimate that. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. He speaks to us every day. But it's up to us to choose to listen. And I just want to encourage you today to listen to that voice. Some people think, well, I'm not spiritual enough, or I don't, read the, I don't know enough of the Bible. I don't read the Bible enough. I don't, you know, I, 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 you know. that's baloney. The Holy Spirit speaks to you, and you can hear him. It's kind of funny. I, 
I have hearing loss. I've got about 50% hearing. And I think I hear the Holy Spirit better now because I don't have a lot of distractions, you know? So um, one of the things that we do that's faulty in our thinking is, you know, going back to the perp- our purpose and God creating us or whatever, we think we have one purpose, and that's faulty. That's not true. I believe in a God of multiple destinies. You have multiple purposes for being here. So I want to see if you'll humor me for a minute. Everybody hold up two fingers like this. Put them right here. What do you feel? Hopefully you feel a pulse. (laughs) If not, let's make a phone call. But most people will feel their pulse. And the pulse goes, da-dum, da-dum, da-dum. Right? What I hear is purpose, purpose, purpose. You have multiple purposes not just one. If we, you know, were born and then we felt like we met our destiny or or fulfilled our purpose, what would be the reason for living? After that, there wouldn't be. And that, to me, is proof in and of itself, whether we're seven or 107, that God has more purpose for you to fulfill. Is that right? Um, Looking at Timothy in the Bible, he's a good example of having multiple purposes. So like um, first, when we first see Timothy, he's ordained in First and Second Timothy to be a minister. And then in First Thessalonians, First Corinthians, Philippians, and Acts, he ministered in five churches in the New Testament church. And then in Acts, again, it says he accompanied Paul on um, most of Paul's second missionary journey. So If he didn't stop, why should we? Yeah? So um, what I want to do is, is my prayer today is that the Holy Spirit reveals in all of us new purpose. That he would breathe on us. Holy Spirit, just breathe on us new life. That we would feel your purpose. I believe that he's ready to reveal new purposes to you and to me. So in this day and age, we are surrounded by social media, the news media, and more times than not, that news is bad news. Yeah? If it's not the coronavirus, it's some natural disaster. And if it's not that, then it's something else, somebody was murdered or whatever. It's, it's all bad news. So I want us to imagine what it would look like if we turned on the news, whether it's MSNBC, CNN, Fox, ABC, CBS, whatever channel, and the newscaster said something like this. Good morning, this is Christian Garrett coming to you from KRVC News, live with breaking news. We have just learned that there is a heavenly father who loves you. He's got an amazing plan for you. And he even sent his son, Jesus, to come and love you to death. What an amazing God we serve. Oh, wait, wait. There's more. He has a new destiny for you. 
So let's all pray together in the streets. Come out of the churches. Come out of your homes. Let's worship the one true God because he has amazing plans for you. Back to you, Lowell. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? I would love it when that happened. And it will happen because the Bible says every knee will bow, right? So what I want us to do is I want us to take a minute to pray. And so if everybody would stand with me, I want you to find someone near you and pray with that person for new destiny, for new purpose. Can we all do that together? Just take one or two minutes and just find somebody near you and just put your hands on them and pray for new purpose to be revealed to them.